version 2.0. I am Dan and this is episode number 78. And the guys are with me. Nick's here. Hello everyone. Justin's here. Hello everyone. And Jesse's here. What's up guys? See, Jesse threw in a little bit of different there. He Yeah, I, could, I, know. I couldn't do it. I'm he not changed a, it oh, up dude, a little I bit. was going to try I wanted him to do the hello everyone. So <laughs> we know, had sort of I like I know what you guys wanted me to do. Symmetry. Come Justin's on, a big man. fan of symmetry. <laughs> Justin's a big fan of symmetry. It, w- it wasn't in the show notes, so I didn't know what to do. I kind of freaked oh, out. Oh, that's true. You're right. You're right. <laughs> he just he ad libbed. He 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 winged it. Did yeah, you did good man. though, dude. Uh, did good. good, good. So what's been going on, guys? Anything new and exciting? Whoa! Yeah, not not <laughs> yeah, an astounding no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Justin. I mean, you you're back from Ohio. I'm right? back, dude. And you got to get some flying in now that you're back? No. What? Dude, I've <laughs> had crappy now. weather all week. Oh, I wake man. up this morning oh, wait, wait, and wait. there are four or five inches of snow on the ground. <laughs> okay. I can't catch a break, but this weekend's supposed to be good, so I will be flying this weekend. That that was oh, under yes. the weather section. Um, class. <laughs> I'm, look, di- look, I'm, yeah. I'm dying to ask you. Dying to ask you this question. Yeah, go. How's the nitro coming along? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, here's the deal. Now, calm the hell down. Because uh, (laughs) I just got back from Cleveland on Sunday. Fired up here is you. (laughs) And and I just got the box open. And it's a nitro. I've confirmed that much. But it's still it, in the box. It no, it's out of the box. Oh. It's still in pieces. <laughs> okay. I appear to have all the pieces that I need to make it a full helicopter, except for you know a couple of the important <laughs> the bits important like the engine <laughs> yeah. and the muffler, <laughs> servos, receiver. Uh, so uh, yeah. yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm yeah, you're I'm almost it together. So we can hey, expect I, to see I, that thing I, in the air next. Like 2014 Othello? I'm going to go for, uh, yeah, I'm hoping by the fun fly. Our fun fly, it'll be, it'll be there. Our fu- Come on, man. Building, building a heli is like a, it's like, it's like drinking a fine wine. I'm smelling another bet. What's, what's that? By, by June, by June 14th is the whiplash nitro gonna be done and ready oh come on now seriously no it'll be done a whole hell of a lot quicker it has to be done by othello first othello oh yeah it will be that's pushing it othello's not that far that's like two months away man so we know yeah but dude how (laughs) long killing me how long are your other helis not flying (sighs) justin's like get off my back i i I don't have anything else to say about it i don't think (laughs) all righty so you're 
<laughs> no, but but seriously, I I do I I've got most of the components. I do need to get an engine. I think I'm going to be going with the the YS91 3DS based yes. on what I've heard from Nick and you and a lot of other people that is the engine to have. It's a good one. I am currently trying to figure out whether I should go with Hattori or Funtech on the pipe. Hattori. Hold on. What was that whisper? Nick Hattori. says Hattori. I Nick can't says see. Hattori. Dude, I think Dan, that motor... you're, you're rocking the Funtech, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, but you know what? I would probably enjoy the Hattori. I don't know if better or I mean, everyone's running the Hattori on that thing, dude. And and there's a reason why, because it's apparently a good combination. Is it really that much better? It's worth taking it's, out a second mortgage well, on the, your house. He's blown both. He's blown both mine, but it's not. the OS fifty five Funtech B three twenty of the ninety world. Oh, okay. That put it into perspective. I know what you're talking about there. I figured that would do it. All right, all right. How much is it? It's like. Three hundred bucks for you. It's for for you. It's three hundred and fifty dollars if you pay me my hundred dollars of uh, finder's fee that it's going to take for me to find one for you. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think you're going to be happy with that, dude. I think it's going to be a good setup. Well, we'll see how it works out. So, how's everything else coming along? Your uh, your your whippy electric still flying? No no crashes because you haven't been flying it. Yeah, you can't crash it when can't you don't crash fly it. When it. You're not you flying. The gasser you is in. I'll tell you what, something. dude. The, the gasser <laughs> is in pristine condition. It's the longest that thing's gone without incident, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's just because it's been sitting on the bench. <laughs> Sweet. It's ready to fly. It's just I haven't touched it since I left for Cleveland. So yeah, well. no, the, I'll, I'll break the dry spell here this weekend. All right. Well, I hope you do, man. Is the weather looking good for you this weekend? Oh, yeah. Nice. Yep, it is. And it's your birthday this week. It is my birthday. Are you going to be 14 this, this year? This uh, year is your 15th, 14th birthday, somewhere in there? Yeah, actually, it's 16. Six, it's, it's my sweet, sweet 16. 16. Yep. With a freaking yep. mouth like a 40-year-old trucker. Nice. Oh, no kidding. If they only knew, Nick. If they only if knew. If they only <laughs> knew. If you I don't guys... know what you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. I'm yeah. the fifth. <laughs> We were talking the other night, Nick's like, people say, you know, I'm the one causing problems and, and this, that, and the other. If they only had a chance to hang out with Justin for just an afternoon, they would understand. <laughs> <laughs> he does such a good job of playing the nice, meager scientist here on the show. But if you had a chance to listen to how well he can string words together in a creative <laughs> <laughs> Very vulgar, creative. insulting, <laughs> creative obscenities is what I like to call it. It's quite a talent. It really is. And what are you talking about, meager scientist? There ain't nothing meager about this shit. <laughs> okay, nerdy scientist uh, is that better? Sure. All right, well, that that fair. just comes with the territory. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, meager wasn't really the right word. It was just the first word that popped into my mind. I'll take it. That's fine. All right. All right. So, what else has been going on? Not much. Just back from Ohio, right? Back from Ohio. Uh, Taking care nope, of the family. Working the nitro. Working some uh, more of the super squirrel, secret squirrel projects. And other than that, waiting for the season to, to kick off. Soon, my friend. Soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Who's next? Let's find out what Nick's been up to this week. Dude, what have you been doing? I worked on my truck, and it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking sucks. 
I got to tell you though, man, that that's awesome. That's a great skill to have. As much no, as you no, may I... not like it, the <laughs> fact that you can fix your own truck that's that's amazing. I tell you what, still bitter about it. Still bitter, yeah, it, <laughs> Nick. It sucks to the tune of about twenty five hundred dollars, right? Yeah, just in part. That's a lot of blades, dude. Dude, dude, that's a lot of airframes. That's a lot of yeah. motors. That's a lot of yeah. batteries. That's a lot of that's a lot of fun flies. I was gonna say that's too. a lot yeah. of gas to get the fun flies, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're well, just here that, to help. That truck's got to haul our haul our lame asses to those fun flies. So I figured it was yeah. probably worth it if I fixed it. Yeah, we were we were hundred percent in support. <laughs> <laughs> Moral. Oh yeah. Yeah, Ooh, it's gonna be a, oh, it's gonna be that a, looks expensive. It's gonna, we suck, do. We had your backs via text. Every time you you <laughs> yeah. sent another picture or a frustrating comment, we were like, "Oh, oh shit, dude!" That's I know. sympathy text. My tip yeah. jar is empty though. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to fill over text. <laughs> I'll give you a PayPal link. PayPal link. <laughs> <laughs> don't they have PayPal tip jars? They should. If yeah. they don't. I'm gonna make one. Not going to send it as a gift. You're still going to have to pay the 3%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I spent last weekend, I started Sunday and finished up, I don't know, Tuesday. Yeah. Something like that, working on it. Just huge, tremendous. Big project. undertaking, yeah. Yeah, not not fun. And then doing it all day for work, too, just made it even all that much more enjoyable. Uh, aye, aye, aye. Yeah, but I did get out um, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, and today actually. Nice, man. Was the uh, weather yeah. cooperative for you, or did it you just was, say screw you? I'm going anyway. No, it was beautiful. Oh, uh, cold. Nice. We've had a real bad cold snap. I mean, like out of nowhere snow. That's I thought spring was here. Yeah, and that's weird for you. That's like out of the ordinary for you guys. Very, very oh, yeah. out of the ordinary. But so I got out yesterday. Got I I didn't bring any of my charging equipment or anything. So just three sets of packs and. That was it, but it felt good. Yeah. Felt good to get some flights in. I realized how poor my flying is lately. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It's time to do some sim dates, dude. Yeah. I had a lucky one today. Ooh. Oh, close call? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> okay. What happened, dude? Uh, stripped a set of tail gears. Oh. Yeah. And, uh. In flight, in a. Inverted pirouetting loop. Nice. It's never in a hover. <laughs> <laughs> it's always bitching. It's always saying, dude. Well, no, up. I shouldn't say that. We got lucky, huh, Jesse? With the, with the 700. That one got lucky oh, as far geez. as like oh, where it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I uh. But you, you got it down and all's well yeah, and ends well. I'd like to, uh, to mention the whole like, um, we were all laughing about this today, and I know Justin, this one really hits home with him because I'm always pitching him shit whenever he loses, like, you know, loses the tail or something like that. I'm always like, just hit, freaking hit throttle hold. It'll stop, and then just auto it in. <laughs> you know, truthfully, it really never stops. It <laughs> slows, no. slows down a little bit. It slows down a little bit, and unless you're way up and out, and like bring it in at Mach eight and get the tail to weather vane, you know that that mm-hmm. really highly aerodynamic thin little piece of carbon fiber <laughs> in the back. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, unless you can do that, it's pretty much still gonna piro the whole way down. Right. And man, that makes for some really uh, 
just, you know, oh, 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 wait for it. Oh, oh, ah, whew. So, yeah, that's good. No damage. Very good. Very good. Yeah, no damage. Problem solved. Nice. Figured out what really happened and uh, all good. All's well that ends well. Yeah. Ready to go for tomorrow. Ready. It's all ready to go. I've got some new firmware to test in the Skookum tomorrow and got some other stuff. So I'm, I'm excited. Sweet, dude. Uh, weather's looking good for you this weekend as well, I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. It's it's coming back out of it. It's supposed to be beautiful. Yeah. This weekend for us is going to be horrible, horrible, horrible cold and windy and snowy. Yeah. But well, we got to we- catch up. Yeah. The good weather that you guys are experiencing this weekend, that'll be here next week for me. Well, next Monday starting. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, no, and then you'll fly like 18 days in a row. And- I'll try to. Probably probably be 17, though. No sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all you got, dude? Is there anything else been going on? What's uh, I I think that's it. No, nothing, uh, nothing else pressing, huh? No, all, I can't, uh, I can't wait to talk about the secret squirrel stuff. Guys are just kind of have to wait a little longer. <laughs> Secret squirrel stuff. I know. It's big, though. It's big. Well, it it'll is. be worth the wait. That's going to be awesome. We can't wait to hear about it. Even though you have no idea what it is. <laughs> no idea. None whatsoever, and that's all right. So let me tell you, uh, Jesse, you've been flying because the weather was halfway decent. How's that been going for you, dude? Oh, Dan, you're killing me here. No, I, I have not been flying. Oh, come on, man. I yeah, thought Jesse I know, was hardcore, right? and he didn't matter. Doesn't matter. I, know. I know. Busy with school, yeah. whatnot. All that good. Yeah, stuff. busy with school. Well, like you know, last weekend, um, Saturday, uh, we were planning on Nick and I were planning on heading out to the field, and we ended up getting rained out, really stormy, bad weather. So no flying last Saturday, and then last Sunday, had to make a six and a half hour drive back to college. So uh-huh. n- no flying on Sunday, and then yeah, I mean. I had some professors schedule some exams on Monday and Wednesday, the week after spring break. So, you know, that's oh, always man. fun. Nice. So, yeah, it's been a busy week at school. And, I mean, on the, on the you know, positive note, no wrenching, no working on helis, nothing like that. So, <laughs> you're not, that's always you're not, nice. You're not flying, you're not crashing, dude. Yeah, exactly. So, so. but like everyone else, well, except, except your weather, the weather is looking good here. Just a little on the cold side, but sunny, clear, no wind. Yeah. So it's good enough nice. for me. So how's the sim coming along? I know you were talking about doing some nightly simming there on Real Flight. You getting any uh interest from some of our listeners to join you on that? I'm getting a little bit. Um we're usually on there about eleven o'clock West Coast time. And yeah. um but yeah, I think there's, yeah. <laughs> there's usually enough <laughs> three, three or four of us in there. So pretty nice. good. Just you know, hang out, chat, fly. It's it's amazing how fast an hour will go by when you just get to chatting with some people and flying and hanging yeah, out. And it, it suddenly you look quick. at the clock and it's you know one in the morning. You're like, holy cow! I've been simming for an hour and a half or two hours. I wouldn't know. I don't have real flight. <laughs> yeah, no, I I wasn't really talking to you then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to kind of. Yeah, that's okay though. Maybe maybe someday. Oh man, boy, he put you in your place, dude. <laughs> I think it's time you get real fly, man. <laughs> That's it. That was the. Uh, I'm still the waiting in, for it to show. That up. was you in, know what? in a roundabout way and, and an invitation. 
<laughs> you yeah, know, was that, I don't know if it came across. It like didn't that, really come across <laughs> like that. But I'm still working. I'm still on waiting it. for was, the box to show up. I'm waiting for Real Flight to show up. And you know what? I'll be very honest and say I don't even care who it comes from. <laughs> so like, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to hold anything against anyone or think that anyone's cooler than anyone else. I don't really care. Just send me one. You're, you're taking Dan's approach on the gasser. You know, how he's waiting <laughs> yeah, for a gasser to show shameless, up. Show up. <laughs> just shameless. It's, it's just, just flat out. Just <laughs> somebody give me one. I just don't. I've come to realize, though, Nick, that approach just does not work real well. It's no. unfortunate. <laughs> and Justin, you're going to be getting real flat here soon, too, right? Oh, yeah. You guys got to, man. It's it's all the cool kids are doing it. You know? Dude, I can't even. Oh, you guys manage. sold me like two or three episodes ago. I'm just yeah. It's the new it's the new rage, man. It's the uh it's the it's what everybody's doing, man. Back when everybody was touting Phoenix, you know, that's the one to get. Now everyone seems to be talking about real fight. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Time to get it. That'd be nice, though, if you guys could get it. Now we could all kind of do a little sim session. We could uh, we could uh, do a little prequel to our uh, SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> well, there'll be some smacking. <laughs> oh, that came out wrong. That did come Sorry. out wrong. That's all yeah, right. That was, that was bad. So um, this week, guys... I got some flying in earlier in the week. It was not too bad out, but man, I got to tell you what, winter is back with a vengeance and it's just miserable out there. Snowing, cold, wind blowing 30 miles an hour. It's supposed to be that way for the next two days. I got, I'm, I'm going to be trying out a new fly marlis unit. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. Oh, do tell. Order to scook them up and uh, bothered the shit out of Nick. We got it all worked out. All my all my uh issues worked out, so to speak. And uh yeah, it's ready to rock. All were personal issues. I just want to make that very clear. <laughs> oh yeah. They were they were they were Dan forgot how to program issues is what it was. And uh so we got it we got the beast X torn off. We got I went through the helicopter, got it all ready to rock, got all the all new links, all new everything. Totally went through the helicopter. It's ready to go. Got it. And the and the weather, it was supposed to be halfway decent, but um, the day I got it finally done, it just turned horribly cold. So I haven't been able to try it yet. But I got to tell you guys, I mentioned last week I was having issues with the uh, with that RGX pipe, and I kind of feel bad now. because It may very well be a, not a bad pipe. I don't think it is a good pipe. But holy shit, I've been totally having issues with this tuning. But I, something happened this week, and I was trying to tune a fun key pipe, an old fun key pipe that I'd used to use and worked all right. It worked, you know, that's the one I had on it last year, you guys, when you were, we were at Othello. Mm-hmm. And uh, same, same issues essentially. And I just had to sit down and just put some thought into it. And I just started systematically, you know, not just haphazardly, twisting needles i actually took notes every time i moved a needle i jotted it down lo and behold shit started to work 
really? strange how that is, you know, when Holy you just, yeah. so anyway, I, I just, I, I learned a lesson, I guess, uh, as usual, it just started to, it, everything started to work and it started, I didn't get it finished because by the time I started making progress, it was already getting pretty late in the afternoon and it's just that time of year when, she, you know, uh, when the sun starts going down, it gets cold quick. And of course the weather hasn't cooperated. I haven't had a chance to go back out and, uh, finish it up looking forward to that next week supposed to be beautiful 60 degrees and sunny all week oh man nice. that is spring yeah it is looking forward to it i feel like i need to come to montana to fly dude anytime <laughs> <laughs> been there yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have you not to been to the grass have, isn't greener is it nick you have not <laughs> been to this part of montana it's actually a lot browner and, yeah. and it comes with big That's ass fair. bugs it is very much browner <laughs> yeah. i just don't know how to take that nick you you keep lumping in the this part of montana the the beautiful part with billings but so wait a minute bugs it's the, the god's country part with the non-god's country part yeah it's it's like the armpit over there of montana it's really just not a good place it's dirty it's flat it's windy and they do have a lot of bugs. Yeah, over. what is it with the bugs? You you live with bugs or something? Dude, I, I'm I'm you know what? Billings is only a hundred miles shorter from me to you. That's how far away Billings is from me. Really? Yeah. Montana's yeah. like seven hundred and ninety miles from one side to the other. It's yeah. a big old state, boy. It lots never of ends. lots of open space up in here. You know. There's uh yeah. Where I live, it's nice. It's nothing like Billings. Well, all we have is your word. It's freaking awesome. <laughs> it's it's all about the summers here. The, the summers here are just beautiful. Summers in Billings are not beautiful, as you guys are well aware. Because when you drove out there, you experienced that. <laughs> that miserable heat. It's just not like that here. Yeah, but, it, was, it was so hot we couldn't fly nitros. That's too hot. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> that's rough. I was like, "Okay, dude, who slipped a fifty in my seven hundred? <laughs> who did it?" Yeah, there was a there was a nitro ban, of, a combustion engine ban. It was the first time that it happened since like nineteen forty eight. Could not run combustion engines uh, after one p.m. I think it was yep. S- statewide. Yep. Wow, because of the fire danger. Apparently, they've never seen electrics go up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never seen yeah. me with one. <laughs> yeah. We, we actually, the fire marshal that was walking around at Billings, they actually sent people out to make sure we were obeying the rule. Yep. And we had a, uh, a guy come along, and I can't remember. I mean, it wasn't me arguing with him. Somebody was arguing with the guy about, oh, you don't realize how much more dangerous these electrics could be yada 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 like dude just shut up pretty soon they're gonna shut us all down completely yeah shut the whole thing down anyway <laughs> we digress <laughs> it's yeah montana is not like billings and uh you guys should come out here it'd be a lot of fun it's nice here except in the winter and the spring <laughs> and the fall <laughs> 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 I think, guys, we should go into some news. What do you think? Do it. Promise. Do that. Hey, Dan, you know, this year I'm going to do things a little bit different for once. Rather than 
you know, replace the parts after I crash, I'm going to make an attempt to start stocking up so that I can have less downtime. Now, I know that when it comes down to getting the parts that I'm going to need, Helipros is going to have them. You know, Nick, that sounds like a great idea. Spring is sprung. It's time to get those parts stocked up. And remember, too, guys, they have their weekly Heli Loot deal. So check their webpage for that, helipros.com. Helipros has the parts. Alrighty, guys, this week's news is brought to you by helidaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. What do you got, Nick? All right, so huge congratulations to Nick Smaxwell, baby. First place in uh, 3DX Australia. And I don't know if you guys have managed to see this this victory flight video. Yes. Oh, yeah. What do you think about that start? The guy is the guy is just that is without a doubt the coolest false fake start I have ever ever seen. I mean, I was like, oh, it's going in, it's going in, (laughs) yeah, oh, it's going in. I mean, you know that it's real close to going in when you do like as it spools back up, you pirouette to the right to help it. (laughs) Yeah, very impressive. Yes. Uh, very, very impressive. So congratulations, Nick. Um, got an announcement from Eric Brandenburg. Looks like he has left the Compass team. Uh, been there for quite a while, huh, Jesse? Do you know how long? Um, I do not know exactly how long, but yeah, he's, he's definitely been around. Yeah, I mean, at least a couple of years, I do believe. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so he has uh, departed ways with Compass, and then very shortly thereafter, announced that he has joined the Alias team. I know they had a fun fly over there in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, all them good old boys got together, and I think he 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 drank the, uh, drank the mullet him. Kool-Aid, dude. He did, yeah. yeah. I think he drank the mullet Kool-Aid. <laughs> the mullet Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, man, that was a bad picture that just went through my head. Oh, Nice. Yeah. But uh, no, so congratulations, Eric. I mean, best of luck to you. If that's what it's all about, then, uh, you know, just have yeah, a good you gotta time. you got to fly man. what you like. Yeah. Yeah, what the absolutely. About. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, hey, it's all for fun. So let's see. Um, Scorpion's got a couple things this week. Uh, number one, they put out a, a great video uh, really showing. Uh, <laughs> uh, what are you laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I know exactly. I I know the video. It's yeah, good. they they you know this it's it hasn't quit. I mean, why dance around it? The Align versus Scorpion thing is still going, still going strong. I I th- now think it is going to be um, it's going to be uh, Dino and J- and Jeff Fastbinder and 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 George. It's going to be like a grumpier old men movie. <laughs> <laughs> like 15 nice. years where they where they now all live in the same neighborhood uh, you know and then it'll be open the door morning peckerhead nice <laughs> nice motor jackass you know <laughs> <laughs> hey what'd you copy today you cook <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> it's gonna be uh, like that is, I mean, yeah yeah That's but awesome. anyway um Every time a line seems to kind of come, they just keep like poking at him. Yeah. 
you know and the cool part uh is that scorpion they they come back with uh oh man what was that crap that scientists always use uh uh oh data that's right yeah <laughs> so they put out a, a great video with um some of the 45 25 520 kv ultimates and the 45, 30, 540 KV uh, limited edition motor. They're basically running these things wide open. Uh, they've got an amp meter on there to show the amps that they're pulling. And they just let them run nonstop. A- and they don't shut down. I mean, they just, they take it. Yeah. A- and they're, I mean, what he was really trying to show is that, hey, our ratings on our motors are accurate. If not, maybe a little bit underrated. You know, they'll do this all day long. So, uh, yeah, don't get yeah, your dude, the Yeah, the 4530 sat yeah. there at 125 amps for like over a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was Seriously. like a couple minutes. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's just, it's, yeah, it's crazy. So, you know, once again, now, now it's entertaining at this point. Well, I kind of like that response yeah. better, to be honest yeah. with you. It's like, oh, just oh, they're going to say this. All right, well, then let's just show everybody how wrong they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, facts. If you guys want to sling facts back and forth, that's great. Yeah. It's a lot better than, you know, a couple of like poo-sling and monkeys or something. Yeah, that's <laughs> the way it's supposed to be. Yes. Absolutely. Dude, how do you... Be prepared do, how, to substantiate your position. How do you... How do you not... How do you try to detract from the quality of a Scorpion motor? How do you How do you do that? Uh, you know, it's it's the only spot they feel like they haven't won. I suppose. Yeah, but yeah. um. So okay, on the on the brighter side of all this, you know, anytime that I see someone in this hobby giving back to the community, I mean, and just outside of the hobby, I'm talking, I'm talking about the general community. Uh, it, it's such an an awesome thing. Scorpion is actually. They've started uh, an education motor donation program where schools can apply to this program for educational purposes. You know, I'll be at colleges, high schools, or anything where they're where they're working on real cool technical projects yeah. for school. And Scorpion is actually, you know, on acceptance of this, they're donating motors to this. That's, and that's just yeah, awesome. That is, I mean, that really is so sweet. cool. Giving yeah, back cool. to the educational system is great. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So my hat is way off to you guys. Good move. Absolutely. All right. So I, I don't know if this is Speedix or Spedix. I'm going to call it Spedix. Company, they have come out with a tail upgrade for the Logo 600. Oh, my gosh. This is one of probably the sexiest looking upgrades I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. I don't know how long. The poor dude had to sit in front of the polishing wheel <laughs> to yeah, get this thing I, to look like this. Nice, but, huh? It's oh, a freaking man. work of art. It oh, is. Yeah, it's great. I mean, oh, wow. Such an elegant... It, it's a tailbox. Basically, it's just a kind of like a one-piece enclosed tailbox, but it's just... It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So if you guys logo owners, definitely. I guess the big thing with it is... On the logos with the open tail, if you, your vertical fin is kind of part of like the tail box. And so, you know, you have a bearing in there and it does get expensive breaking those. So this eliminates that. It'll it'll allow you to run like a regular vertical fin on it. Um, our good buddy Colin Bell uh, put out a video 
introducing the new Align 700 millimeter flywireless blades that we had talked about. Um, so if you guys are curious about that, he kind of goes through the characteristics of them and why they did what they did. So definitely check that out. Um, Mr. Bobby Watts. <laughs> you know why I like Bobby? Because Bobby is all about having fun and goofing off. Yeah. And I get a yeah. kick out of that. Uh, that's what I think that just, that's, it makes Bobby Bobby, you know? And so he put up this video. Uh, they were screwing around in his house with the X100. And I mean, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> They're walking all through the house, you know, sliding it across the ceiling, almost hitting the cat. <laughs> Down, they blade scraped the car, <laughs> the garage. Yeah. It was great. Just, just you know, good old boys having fun. And I dig that. So yeah. check that one out if you're looking for a good laugh. And I think, you know, that's all I got. Oh, no big news no of the week. No big news of the week, huh? No, not... I mean, I don't know. Yeah, they're, yeah that happens sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. I actually have some news. Well, well, well lay it on me. It automatically big becomes the news yeah. of the week. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know if it's it news better of the be week. big. It's it's exciting, kind of. As you all know, uh, Nick did a review on the Soko Heli tool. Also, too, as we've mentioned a few times, Soko Heli tool is going to donate. Uh, to our fun fly. They've sent us two kits to give away. We're going to be giving those away at the fun fly. So they got in touch with me and they wanted to make an offer, a special offer for listeners of RCHN, which is kind of cool. For those of you who are interested, uh, first let me give you the details. The details are basically you're going to be able to get the tool with no shipping cost. So you'll be able to buy it for the for the price you see on the webpage. And I don't remember off the top of my head what that price is, Nick. Do you remember by chance? Oh. Somewhere in the seventy to eighty dollar range, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they 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 just got a whole bunch more in stock. Apparently they've been selling pretty well. To take advantage of this discount, it's pretty easy. All you gotta do is email them and that email address is contact at soco-heli-tools.com and just mention the RCHN offer and then they will send you the PayPal link uh, for the order for no shipping costs. So Sweet. get a little bit yeah, of a break cool. on, a, on a pretty impressive tool. And again, if you're interested in finding out what that tool is about, I encourage you to go back and check out Nick's review absolute in-depth look at the tool and what Nick thought of it. If it's something you're interested in, by all means, give it a whirl. That's Dude, a- I feel like that's a, that's a worthy bit of week, you know, news of the week. I I would almost agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. We're just excited to to help these guys out. Of course, they're helping us out. They're they're um they're they they just sent us a couple tools to give away. And uh it's a good tool. That's the that's the uh the it's not really the news of the week. It's the deal of the week. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All righty, guys. Well, any uh, any Justin or uh, Jesse, you guys have any news? Nope. Not no a, news. Nothing. 
Nothing. Zero zip zilch news. All right, guys. Nick just does such a great job, you know, every well, week. Nick's a, Why? Nick's, Thank you. Nick's a thorough some bitch. Exactly. He keeps his... Nick's got his thumb on the pulse of all things heli. <laughs> <laughs> if you're I, ever... I got him. If you ever are wondering what's going on, just listen to the news section, and anything that's worth mentioning, you'll hear about it, because Nick will be sure to bring it up. And on or that if note, it's stupid and it makes me laugh. That too. Yeah. yeah. Both that's, ends of the spectrum. That's important as well, though. I'm a sucker for that. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, guys. This week's news has been brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. You know, guys, one of the best things about being in our position is the ability to give back to our listeners. And lucky for us, Gen's Ace Batteries shares the same ideas. Just for you, they're offering a 10% discount code on all their batteries. That's right, guys. So head over to www.hobbyparts.com, enter in the code RCHN10 at checkout to get that 10% discount on your next order. So guys... How cool was it that Tim Jones decided to stop by and chat with us for a little bit? Oh, awesome. yeah. It was yeah. awesome. That was a great Easy answer. We had a little chat on Skype. It was kind of fun. And, of course, you know, if just uh, you guys want to check him out, you got to come to our fun fly in June. He's going to be there laying it down. So we're going to go ahead and play that interview, and we'll be right back. So you guys are never going to believe who we have with us today. You're not going to go ahead and guess. Dare you to guess? Um, I can't. We have yeah. Tim Hollywood Jones with us tonight. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Tim wow. Jones. My the God. Tim Jones. The, the Tim, Tim Jones. Jones. The Tim Jones. The one and only. Hey, uh, dude. <laughs> so I hear you were on the Kardashians. Uh, well, we're going to see if I'm on the Kardashians. Oh, you, you don't know if we've, it's going to make it to the No, we filmed it, and it will likely be on there, but you know, we filmed over six hours for potentially like a 30-second thing on the show. How cool. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. I mean, how long, you you said you filmed for six hours, and they told oh, you they'd did. give you less yeah, than a minute? we did about two and a half, three hours at the flying field in the morning, and then uh, that evening I went over to his house, and we probably did another couple hours or two and a half hours of dinner. Sweet. So yeah. did uh, did Bruce throw down? Bruce can actually fly pretty good, you know. Ironically enough, he actually flies at uh, my local field, and uh, when I can, I make it out there in the mornings. Man, if it's if it's nice outside and he's not traveling, he's at the field in the morning and he's driving golf balls by the afternoon. But uh, you know, in the morning, he's always out there <laughs> flying. Uh, I've seen him fly now. I mean, shoot, I've been flying with Bruce for probably like I don't know, I'd say ten, twelve months. Very and, nice. Uh, yeah, he's that's certainly cool. gotten a lot better. He if he flies with Todd Bennett as well, doesn't he? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> he, uh, it's cool to see Bruce because I mean, out of all that he has and all that he has access to, you know, he's actually quite humble and down to earth. Yeah, and uh, he really does love the helicopter hobby. He goes out there to fly for fun, just like anybody else. Sounds good. Really well, we're not here to talk about Bruce Jenner. We're here to talk about Tim Jones. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> so tell us. What's been going on, man? What's new? I hear you've got uh, 
You're, you're you're working on some blades. You guys are releasing some blades. You're working on what's going on with that? Yeah, I've been working on a uh, blade project for about the past ten months. Um, I'm pretty happy to unveil it. Uh, Cyclone Blades, www.cyclone-blades.com. Yeah. Um, they're a pretty unique blade. Um, these actually have real engineering behind them. It's not just another you know rebadger, you know, a new paint scheme or different CG points. You know. Oh, dude, stuff. I love it. That's <laughs> That is what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Um, this actually has um, a pretty special airfoil to it. Most all your other blades are just simply a straight airfoil with a tip on them and a root on them. You know, there's really nothing going on in terms of making it a real rotor blade. Um, essentially like a airplane wing that's spinning around in circles really fast. What was really needed, what we really generated was a, uh, a tapered airfoil. I have some access to some pretty cool tools, pretty cool tools at, uh, at work. And um, we were able to put it in basically a simulated CAD software and develop the spanwise airfoil, come up with the optimized lift section, make it thicker and tapered in that region. And then we came up with that swept tip that you see on there. And the result is uh, aerodynamically, the blade flies a lot better, making the CG points more, you know, we can move them further in without losing so much stability. So. You know, much like on a flybarless blade, when the weight's really far out toward the tip, you know, you get a really stable, good, fast-flying blade, but the problem is you lose all cyclic authority at speed. You know, the helicopter gets sluggish. The cyclic doesn't really uh, pivot, you know, for lack of a better term. And mm -hmm. uh, with these blades, we can run flybar weights, basically, and run, uh, still have flybarless-like tracking, which is pretty cool. I mean, there's more to it than that, but in layman's terms, I think that's what, you know, this blade represents. Sounds real good. It sounds like you guys put some thought into these blades, man. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's been pretty exciting. Been, yeah. uh, you know, to bring this all the way from an idea, all the way through the R&D, all the different flight testing. So who was helping you out with the testing on that? Uh, you know, primarily I did most of the testing. I would say up until about a week before, like, uh, Vegas, there was only three people on this planet outside the manufacturer that even I was working on. Oh, uh, wow. So I shouldn't actually say that. There was two more people than that have actually proven. I'm not going to name names on the whole thing, but very well-known, very talented pilots. Got their opinions on them as well before I went into production. With them. But, very um, cool, man. What's that? And you, you and the, were you the one or the main guy behind all of the design? Or did you yes. work with anyone else, if you can say, of course? Well, no, I did work with, uh, okay, I work with, uh, a lot of uh, quad rotor stuff, multi rotor stuff at work. I do some UAV development work, some design, fly some, do some things with them, and uh, that's all I can really say about it. <laughs> but um, what's cool is we have um, a lot of unique airfoil designs and shapes on a lot of the quad rotor stuff we're doing for like make them really quad stealth. Um, so we have some pretty cool tools for rotary blade development, and it was been an idea for mine for a while. Really, the principles came from just looking at a rotor blade and you know understanding it spinning around in a circle. I mean, it doesn't fly straight. Why is it shaped straight? You're trying to do 3D with a 1D blade. <laughs> it doesn't make much sense. Yeah. But, uh, so we, uh, you know, I say we. There was me and two other guys with the whole thing. They are aeronautical engineers. I'm an RC helicopter pilot. That's a screwdriver engineer. I was hired at my work because I'm a screwdriver engineer with things on. More practical thinking mind. <laughs> I know a guy like I know a guy like that. Yeah. Huh? I know a guy like that. Yeah, yeah. His name's Nick. Nick's yeah, like yeah. That. That's this guy. 
<laughs> yeah, that's my role. <laughs> Let's hear about, Tim, what got you into the hobby? How long have you been flying helicopters? I've been flying helicopters. Well, the first time I ever touched a helicopter was uh, Christmas 2005. Yeah, my dad would always get us, you know, guys, uh, you know, whatever to play with on Christmas Day. And uh, this year happened to be a helicopter. And, you know, my dad was huge into RC racing, you know, hand aid scale, on-road stuff, national champion, world champion. Stuff. And, you know, he got into the helicopters because they're really challenging. Well, anyway, he thought it'd be kind of a fun little thing to get everyone a helicopter. And uh, he likes to brag now that he was better at me flying helicopters for about a half an hour. <laughs> the controls. <laughs> you know, it wasn't but about, I think, the third battery that I was being able to almost do a figure eight in the front guard. It was just natural. I just picked it up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from there, I went into a T-Rex 450 and reflexed the simulator. And, man, I spent probably, I don't, can't tell you how many hundreds of hours on that sim. And then flying the 450, crashing the 450. And, you know, I pretty much just, it was really was at that point just, you know, kind of a little thing I did on the side and played with. Right. I say that after saying I practiced for hundreds of hours. <laughs> but what I mean is it wasn't nearly as serious yeah. as now. Right. And, uh, you know... I probably did that for a couple of years, and then I got a, uh, what was it? Ironically enough, that I went from a 450 right into a uh, miniature aircraft uh, uh, Stratus, 90-side tower, right? Nice. I built one of those and flew it for a while, and then a T-Rex 600, and then, oh boy, I go off there a while on that whole thing. So, so you, your your dad was into RC cars and whatnot, and and I'm assuming before the helis were around, you were involved with that as well, with him. Kind of. Uh, yeah, actually, I had a transmitter in my hand when I was four years okay, old. Okay, so RCs. By the, time, by the yeah, by the time I was six, I was racing uh, ten scale off road two wheel drive, uh-huh. and I was yeah, I did pretty good at that. We had a lot of you know we had a lot of fun doing that. I did that till I was about. I think eight or nine years old before I got into uh, go karts, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's some pedigree. There's some pedigree in the in the, in the, uh, in the blood. You know, lines anything and... anything fast or radio controlled pretty much is uh huh. Much my mo. All right, so you start getting into the helicopters and you're progressing. Who are your influences? Who I mean, who did you look up to when you were aspiring to become a three D? Oh, back in that time, and I say back in that time. I mean, it's just amazing how fast and how you know far the hobbyist come in the past i would say you know eight years that i've been in it basically really at the time there was todd bennett jason kraus alan sabo curtis youngblood those were really i would say there was a handful of guys of the you know the pros that would travel around would do the demos would help all the manufacturers do all the r&d and everything else and you know it was different back then but i definitely looked up to and the first time i got hooked on 3d was watching a video of alan sabo jr he was flying his Raptor 90 out at the lake. And uh, the moment I saw him stand that thing up into a funnel, I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> I got to do this. And that's really what it's that's what it So uh, progression came pretty easy for you. Did you have, as, as you look back to that time, was there anything that you really struggled with when, when it comes well, to? I mean, I struggled with what everyone else struggles with, at least, you know. I like to see, you know, kids these days are spoiled. Their minds think in 3D right from the time they grow up. You know? right. Back when I was growing up still, video games were two-dimensional, right? So my biggest challenge was understanding and learning that the orientations on the controls don't change. Your perspective on the helicopter is changing. 
So, you know, I really struggled with doing anything but a tail and hover for a while, you know, when I first got into it. And then, you know, slowly but surely got it to the side, both sides, nose in, you know, and then flipping it over to me was like the hugest thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got it inverted, you know, that was awesome. And then, you know, you know how it is. I mean, you just get hooked on oh, it. Oh, dude. Forward. And I got, I got to tell you, from a, I, I'm sure there's so many listeners out there that are hearing this and going, you know, we don't get to hear guys that are flying at Tim Jones's level talk about how cool it is to flip a helicopter. You can remember those days. We're so jaded. I'll tell you what, I I can't tell you, and it's pretty cool to see everywhere I go. You've got, you know, of course, the guys at the field that have been there a while, but the newer guys that have been into it maybe two, three months, and you just see that monkey on their back. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm jealous now because it's not that I don't have the monkey on my back anymore with that shit, but I'm so involved with a lot of other things now that, uh, you know, I I don't get to go fly two gallons a day on a T-Rex 600 anymore. You know, and I just, I look at it and I just go, man, I, I you know, I envy that. You know, <laughs> you go out there and you know, yeah. just love flying for what flying is. I, I get the impression, Tim, that you really enjoy, and, and we do too. We, 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 you know, we have listeners that tell us their stories uh, on our forum and whatnot. And they're, they just got into the hobby. They just got their first helicopter and just, it, you get to kind of vicariously live through that again, that, that first kit, you know? Right. It's just a, it's an, it's incredible. Right. And the whole learning curve and everything else. You know? Yeah. It's, it's cool today though, because things are so much easier to build. I mean, it used to, this hobby used to be very builder based. What I mean by that is all the kits had to be dial indicated. You oh, know, yeah. There was no electric, there was no plug and play, you know, there was no electronics to make everything. Well, there was electronics to make everything easy, but no fly bar less, you know? Yeah. I came into the hobby right on the tail end of that. Right where dial indication was still kind of something that you had to do, uh, but it was really kind of fading out with the T-Rex helicopters and whatnot, where you didn't have to do that anymore. Well, you know, it was a billion screws in like 18 hours when you crashed the thing. Yeah. To get it flying right again. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. it was, you know, as, as expensive as helicopters are today, dude. It was way more expensive back then. As you're progressing and you're starting to, you're going to local events, When when did you realize... And this is going to turn into something. When did you start noticing that people were noticing? When when did that happen? Well, see, the thing was, like I was saying, you know, I didn't. Nobody, I didn't really fly a helicopter in public until I probably flew for like two and a half years. And I'd say when I when I showed up at the LA 3D Fun Fly, I think it was 2008, right? Everyone was like, "Well, where'd you come from? Like, what what was this? I mean, it was just, I don't know. I just, I." I, I always looked up and saw Alan Zabo Jr. and all the tricks that he was doing. I wasn't even close to his level. But it was, you know, I just came onto the scene that way, I guess. I mean, I don't know. It was uh, it was interesting. But I would say really the point where I was, you know, I was really hooked when I went to Urcha. Once I did Urcha one time, I was like, okay, this is for me. You know, this is pretty cool. This is, you know, get people from all around the world flying these helicopters. I never realized it was that big, you know. Right. Someone told me, hey, you got to make it out there one time if you're in the hobby. And I went out there and went, whoa, that's wild. From there, I would say, that was the moment I got hooked in that regard. So tell me, if you can, out of the current crop of uh, what we consider to be the top pilots, who, who, who's your favorite? Who, who, who do you really enjoy watching? Ooh. Man, I can't just name one. i got to name multiple. Oh, no, I'm only going to give you room for one, man. Come on now. Room for one? <laughs> Who you is it? Oh. Like that, you know? um, <laughs> oh, man. All right, you can do, I'll give you two. 
Give you me tell- two, I can narrow it down to two. Yeah. Who's your top two? All right, well, who's your top can, five? Can you give me, can I'm you easy give me a that genre way. of what I'm like defining as good? Like just, uh, just impressive to watch or like just technical, the, wow. Just no, whoever, who do you like just like, you're at a fun fly, you hear Pilot X is going to go fly and you're like, you know what, I really like watching that dude fly. I'm going to make sure I watch him. I watch him fly. Nick Maxwell. Yeah, uh, he's a good pilot, isn't he? I would argue the best. He's going to, he's going to He's make listening him. to it. Go right ahead. I mean. He's I'm just saying in terms of, you know, his, able to, his ability to present and his technicalness of it and to be able to do it disc in, disc out, right, left, pirouetting one way or the other. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating to watch the pilot. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah he's, he's, got, he's, got, he's going to make a good pilot someday. He's got a little bit of talent. <laughs> yeah, he might go somewhere with it. He, he might do something He'll with get it. there. <laughs> he, might, yeah. he, might, he might do something with it. So you're, you're sponsored, uh, I'm assuming. Who are your sponsors? Uh, A-Main Hobbies, YS Engines, Authority Mufflers, um, Protec RC, um, who else, who else, who else, oh, Byron's Fuels, mm-hmm. um, Cyclone Blades. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I know the answer to this one, and I actually kind of feel stupid asking Tim Jones this, but I'm going to anyway, because I ask all the pros this question. Yeah. Nitro or electric? Both. If you had to choose one. That's an unfair question. I <laughs> <laughs> knew that was going to be the answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Until electric can lose a pound and go for six and a half, seven minutes, nitro still is always going to have a place in my hanger. Yeah. Bottom line, there's no practice like a nitro. I mean, with the 120 and the big blocks out these days, you can get them flying to the point that you get seven minutes of runtime of consistency. There's no, you know, there's no replacing. I mean, I could do without the mess like everybody else and this and that and the tuning and all. I know it. But, uh, you know, electric for all-out power. But to me, the electric is a lot of fun, and I love the torque. If it doesn't go super-duper fast like the Beast does, I don't want to have anything to do with it. You know, it's two minutes long. I get it, two and a half minutes long, but it's a wild two and a half minute ride. <laughs> so, that's, you know, if it wasn't that, then I got my Nitro because it's lighter, and I feel almost three Ds better because of weight advantage. You know, I, I like nitro too, and I think uh, from a pers- uh, uh, you know from the, the people watching, nitro just is really, really fun to watch. I just the smoke, the sound. It's just you know the, the interesting thing is, um, I you know I fly all the time, and I see people coming to and from that have never seen a helicopter before, and people who see an electric helicopter doesn't matter. They can be watching the beast out there. They can you know they don't realize what they're seeing. And they still see it as a toy. The moment that nitro comes out, you get the smoke coming out the end of it, their eyes perk up and they get excited about it. Yeah. I don't get it. It's just like, I guess the electric is a toy, I guess. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just think people can respect the fact that that's a little combustion engine doing, doing its thing, you know, and producing power. And, and, uh, I just think, uh, you know, people who don't appreciate Exactly how much power is going through an electric helicopter these days? No, no. And um, you know, you just associate—at least I do anyway—I associate RC to me as nitro, just because of the old days with the cars and. Exactly, I think that's where it comes from. I mean, it's you know, people new in the hobby today. The natural progression from a four hundred and fifty electric is a five hundred, a five hundred and fifty, a six hundred, seven hundred electric. I mean, you know. That's, I guess, because I'm a little bit from the old school still, so I'm still clinging to my nitro. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I can definitely see why people are, you know, 
you know, you see the hobby going toward electric. I mean, it's always electric versus nitro, you know, what numbers are showing up at the events, this and that. I mean, for the most part, really at events that I see, it's still pretty even. But I definitely have in the, say, the past two to three years, electric has definitely jumped leaps and bounds. There's no question about that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Tim, what do you think about gassers, man? You've been flying, or you have flown Doug Darby's gasser, right? Well, yeah, that thing's kind of a freak of nature in terms of gassers. <laughs> uh, yeah, no joke. I mean, I say that I say that politely. I mean, it's uh, the thing's pretty cool. I mean, it makes me makes me realize the potential of a gasser. Um, I still think there's some barriers to overcome with it. Primarily, the weight. It's a really, you know, it's heavier than an electric, and it certainly doesn't have the torque of an electric. So, you know. That whole thing needs to be worked on, but it's fun to fly. It's it's almost it's a totally different type of feel, and it's definitely a totally different uh, torque for you know a whole different animal. Yep. Another question I like to ask some of the pros when they come on, Tim, is uh, when you're flying and you're doing your routines, your demos, and those kind of things. What's going through your mind? Is it you're just flying? I'm just flying the helicopter? You're just oh. flying a helicopter. Are you are you nervous? Are you uh, not much anymore. I used to be, there was definitely a period of time that I would say for probably the first year that I was doing like flying demonstrations, mm -hmm. definitely got nervous. And that's uh, probably just getting used to flying in front of large groups of people, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know what I did during that time when I was really nervous, what I learned to do was just, uh, when I would go out to fly at the field, I'd walk out, set the helicopter down and I'd back up without turning around. Right. So I got in the habit of doing that. And when I go to an event, do a demo, I'd set the helicopter down and just back up. I wouldn't look behind me. And then it was just like I was flying like I was every day, you know. But then, uh, you know, after those jitters go away, now more than anything, what I really like to hear was uh, when the crowd gets into it. Yeah. When the crowd gets into it, especially when we're, you know, doing spotlight flying at night, uh, that makes things a whole lot more fun. I don't know what it is about it. It's just like, you know, people want to see it lower, faster, and harder. And, it, you know, it almost seems like it's worth it to risk the machine at that point. <laughs> You know, when you're just out playing around and I'm out practicing or whatever, you know, 10 foot ground level is just fine because, you know, who, who am I trying to impress? Right. Know? But uh, at those, at the shows, you know, that's what everyone wants to see. And uh, so, you know, when people appreciate it, it makes it all the better. So tell us about uh, some events you went to this year. Uh, which, which is your funnest event? Which event do you like to go to the best? Which one do well, you enjoy? Really this year so far, you know, all the way up until March is, you know, there's pretty much no fun flies. I mean, of course, we have the uh, first in year fun fly out here in uh, Southern California. That's actually Central California, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, up until Larry, you know, that's pretty fun. The diehards go out, you know, it's 25, 30 degrees outside, fly in front of the fire pit, do fireworks, stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, that one's always fun. Been doing that for a few years. But then, uh, really, the old, the first official event is Vegas. And that just, of course, happened here, what, three weeks back? Yeah. Two weeks back, and then uh, Birmingham. So I'm only two too deep right now but i'll tell you april's full you know may's full june's almost full july september i mean you know it's, it heats up here pretty quick speaking of june <laughs> uh there's an event up there in deer park washington i've heard yeah i heard a rumor from that i don't know who's put it on it oh some some <laughs> bunch of clowns a bunch of clowns yeah. bunch of smos. but we i don't know what they're doing we're uh we're really looking forward to having you up there in june tim it's gonna be it's going to be an amazing event. Uh, we're really putting a lot of work into it, so uh, we really appreciate you coming out. Just thought I'd get that little plug in there. Yeah, there you yeah. <laughs> no problem. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to uh, coming up to Washington again. I like the air up there. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. 
you know, I say that as a Nitro guy. You know, when <laughs> I was up there last, man, what was it? Uh, the last event you had. Snohomish. Snohomish yeah. last year, yeah. That was awesome. The road construction lights and all that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And that is, we will be doing that. That's right. Again. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. Little, little bigger, little better. That's how we do things. Try to anyway. <laughs> yeah. You'll have to pack that car full of, uh, full of them cyclone blades. Bring a bunch up. Yeah. I'd like to give, give them a try. See what they're all about. Only my car. You mean I don't got to rent a U-Haul? Come on guys. Oh, well, you know. Crashing's going to be had at this event. <laughs> yeah because there's uh there's uh 2,000 feet uh 100 150 feet wide of paved runway to do some smashing on too as well paved oh, runway. Yes. perfect yeah that's that minimizes damage beautifully yes <laughs> the carnage should be kept to a minimum with asphalt that's what we're hoping for yeah, yeah. We're, we're hoping for a carnage free event said the liar yeah. yeah you know they can go hover over the grass <laughs> that's right yeah. <laughs> so what else are you working on, Tim? What else is uh, new and exciting in, in your life that you want to share with our listeners? You know, I've got a few things up my sleeve, but uh, much like the blades, yeah. <laughs> we call those we call those uh, secret squirrel yes, projects. Yes. Yep. Well, you know, unfortunately, um, any anybody that's trying to do anything new and unique, um, there's a lot of people that just want to undermine that and downright steal it. Yeah, and you know they do it well before you're even in a you know production stage that you can even possibly make or recoup your even initial investment, uh, let alone the time that you put into it. And uh, yeah, so unfortunately, as much as I'd love to, and as much as I'd like to talk about all the things I've got going on, you just can't do it. Just can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what helis are you flying now, anyway, Tim? You know, I've been flying the same things now for probably two and a half. Three years. Yeah. Uh, got myself my old trusty T-Rex 700 Nitro. It's certainly not stock at this point. I've done all kinds of stuff and kind of worked all the bugs out of it and made it work for me. And then uh, I got my Beast, you know, 700 yeah. conversion with the frames and all. that, you know, And uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. I really, you know, everyone's always fascinated. I don't have a large hangar of helicopters. But uh, for me, it was always once I found something I liked and I just wanted to fly it only it because it's, it's difficult to trans you know transfer one helicopter to the next you know jump around so when you're at home and you're flying and you're just kind of practicing when you get a chance to just go out and enjoy flying how, how often are you crashing is that a is that a regular occurrence for you or do you keep that to a minimum not anymore if it's not mechanical failure um i can tell you this in uh 2011 my first crash from thumbs was in uh, uh orlando in december I'd flown all year long and never put one in, hadn't planted it, and uh, put it in in the noontime demo in uh, Orlando. And that's saying something. because For the record, that was not really a dumb thumb. That was a greedy thumb. That was just trying to go that much lower. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Found it. (laughs) I like that. That, That's saying a lot, too, because uh, you're not just floating that helicopter around up in the air. You're beating the piss out of it every flight. That's that's impressive. I mean, my whole goal is to get the thing going as fast as it can and make it never really slow down. Like no one else, you do that, Tim. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. That was <laughs> I was just absolutely blown away at Snohomish, you know, under the construction light. That was that was a kick in the pants watching you and you know all the A main team for that matter get out there together. What a hoot! 
Yeah, that was pretty fun doing. What, what did we have up there? Five or six-way demo? We had we five. Had five, five, five up there. Yeah, yeah. five pilots. Five-way five way demo. And, uh, One mid-air and collision. Brian Tran collided and yeah. both landed. Yep. That's probably the only time that's ever going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah, think that's, what are the no. I mean, come on. We should have played the lottery that night. Yeah, so, no shit, right? Yeah. No, that's that's impressive. I mean, uh, to watch you fly, and I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of watching. I mean, I I watch them because it's you know you kind of you're obligated to. I mean, you just if you're in the hobby, it's like you find yourself watching heli videos at two o'clock right. in the morning when there's nothing else to do, right? Right. And uh, typically, I don't watch full. I never really watch full flights, um, but I just every time. And, and Nick is always he's he seems to be. He always finds him first and texts everybody and says, "Oh my God, have you seen that video?" And so we go watch it. That's just some impressive stuff when we when you when we get a chance to watch you fly. I appreciate that. That's uh, that's some skill. But you know, you, like, you got to work on your collective management. Yeah, we're a bit, just we were going to give you some tips if you don't mind. I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, well, you know, ironically enough, you know, I have to deal with collective management in the opposite direction. Uh, what most people came learning up, and I when I was learning now, you know, to fly my electric the way it's flown, uh, I you know I'd love to be able to slap that thing around like I really wanted it to, and you'd be in for a treat. But all the gear drive and everything else in it doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> From the tail gears, the back, the front, the counter drive gear, the front main gear, everything doesn't stand a chance. But um, you know, it's you got to put a filter on it, go the other way. <laughs> if I, so you know once you learn once once you learn collective management not to bog the helicopter now you gotta learn collective management not to break the helicopter <laughs> keep the violence right at that threshold you know right before you break the main shaft <laughs> yep i gotta learn how to avoid the ground i'm still working on that yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's pretty cool man i uh you know we were gonna we were gonna say uh, I noticed Jesse hasn't piped up yet, but Jesse was going to challenge you. Oh, my you. goodness. He's like, oh, oh man, don't go there, Dan. He's, that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> don't go there. Like, don't do it, Dan. It's all, don't do it. it's all good. It's out It's out now. It's out now. Jesse's like, who's this Tim Jones? Who is this guy? <laughs> we got to say it now. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I was saying. Now, we were we were kind of teasing Jesse the other day. We told him when we, when we get you on, we're going to we're gonna tell him that you were that he was said, oh, who is this guy? I can send him my way. I'll show him how to fly. <laughs> yeah. Tim oh. versus Jesse. And he's like, please don't do that. June fifteenth. <laughs> please don't do that. <laughs> no. Do you find though that do people? Uh, I mean, I, I can't imagine anyone would do that. But do you find people like to put their skills up against yours, and not necessarily a competition, but like they want you to watch them fly? So yeah, I mean, people are always like looking you? for opinions, I guess, on how they fly or how they measure up with the whole thing. I mean, I always say, you know, the best pilot's the one who's challenging himself and, like, winning those small battles the way I see it. I've never been in competition. And, like, I did Vegas a couple times, that whole contest thing. But uh, I got such a bad taste in my mouth out of it just from the, uh, you know, it's there's no finish line to cross. It's all judged. So it's a lot of personality and a lot of politics. And things. Yeah, it's, so, it's a little subjective, isn't it? Yeah, it's very subjective. So, at, you know, after I really saw that, I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm just going to... All I have to do is win against myself. Set a goal and learn it, and then set another one and learn it. You know, and then what's really what I did, where you know where I differed. If I had a state in the contest pilot type of type of arena, I'd be probably a more technical guy than I am right now. Yeah. I would probably know a lot more reversing things, different things like that. But I kind of just developed a repertoire of moves and had you know a whole nice trick bag 
And it was like, all right, well, I'm just going to seam these together as seamlessly as possible, as fast as possible. And I would say I'm about, I don't know, 60% of the way there where I want to be with it. But, um, yeah. So Having high-powered helicopters and only flying high-powered helicopters certainly aided in that desire. So there's, there's no MCPX in your fleet? Uh, no, but there's a Blade 130X. Oh, is there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Of course, it's got a different motor and stuff. Uh, oh, it's yeah, it's, it's running oh, on six cell. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's got an eighty HV in it and stuff yeah. like that. And I just actually put a twenty four S system in it. Pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your routine, your practice routines. I, I mean, you mentioned sim a bit ago. How integral is that in in your day to day or week to week activity? Do you do you still sim a lot? You know, I haven't touched a simulator. I played with one. You're probably like six months ago when someone came up to me and like had the new real flight through the life or whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, and I played with it a little bit, but man, I haven't played the flight simulator in probably like three years. Oh. Well, what it what it came down to was that, in my opinion, still the flight the physics on them have come a long way and they're they're pretty decent. Um, but really, a flight simulator to me is orientation training. It's really just gathering a perspective and learning the raw input. I, yep, I agree with that, that completely. And, you know, when I go out and fly the actual helicopter, you know, I want to learn that feel. To try to go from the flight simulator in the morning and go in the afternoon and go fly the real thing or whatever it was, just I couldn't blend the two. Once, okay. I, once I got to the point of understanding, like, I could hover every which way, upside down, right side up, you know, all that. After that, it was pretty much the real thing from then on out. Yeah, and actually, Justin once brought up a point about uh, – it's kind of along those same lines. It's don't worry about mastering a move on the simulator. Just get the idea down and then get it exactly. get it out there in the in the field. Yep. Right. Yeah. Comprehensively wrap your head around what needs to happen with the controls and what you need to be looking for, and then pretty much yeah, put it away and go outside and fly. Those of us though that don't have the luxury like you uh, of uh, being a warm weather <laughs> dick, uh, <laughs> sims are really important for us in the winter time when it's zero degrees and there's. Right. Two feet of snow on the ground, but that's for the have, little. You guys house. need to find a hanger and get a bunch of one thirty X's and a bunch of parts. <laughs> yeah, that's I what just. You do. I just. I'll tell you what, the one thirty X is great for the thumb. Yeah, it's just it's squirrely enough, and it, I mean, not that it's super hard to fly, but it's hard enough to fly that it makes it uh, you keep your fingers fresh. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and that's you're good. of course a whole lot more ballsy with it. You know, I try a lot more like counter torque pirouetting stuff with it for sure. So tell us, what is your favorite maneuver to do? Um, All of them? <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of depends on what you're classifying. I, I mean, I guess I would know, be known for high-speed hurricanes. Yeah. Certainly like those. Um, my newest one that I've actually been playing with is a uh, continuous elevator flip in the hurricane. You know, so mm-hmm. say I get like oh probably God. six complete tumbles yeah. in a hurricane and try to do it at, you know, ballistic speed. That's pretty fun. It was basically one transition from one hurricane orientation into the next one. So, oh man, yeah, it's challenging. It's still getting me a little bit. I mean, I know the inputs and everything else, but to get it finessed and to get it flying square and then bring it down low, yeah, the low part's still problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm only down to about <laughs> ten feet, and I want to get down to where it's on the deck. You know, that'd be really cool. But <laughs> oh man, that's. Yeah, I'm curious what what's your favorite event? Like what's your favorite style? Maybe not like like specific event, but are you 
Do you like to go to the ones that are more, you know, like more structured, more flashy, or do you oh, like kind of the... the core group of guys that are just out there having fun with it? Like, you know, more some of the more commercialized events, you know, it starts to get into being, you know, more about the business and the sponsors and things like that, which is all fine and well, and it certainly has its place. But uh, my favorite style of events is, uh, you know, hanging out at the field, camping out at the field, having fun at night, you know, that, that whole stuff. Yeah. Like Birmingham. <laughs> to give Birmingham a little plug right there. Um, but there's a few on my calendar that are permanents like that, that are, you know, represent exactly that. Birmingham is like that. You've got, you know, you guys, Washington up there, Snohomish and had that feel to it. Boston definitely has that its feel to it. Um, same type of thing, just the East Coast version. Then um, I would say the biggest party of them all is when we go up to uh, Daryl's event up in Detroit. That's probably my favorite. That's for sure. There's just so much more going on than helicopters do. Yeah. Yeah. How many how many fun flies do you hit a year, Tim? Probably between twenty and twenty five. Wow. That's Holy a busy shit. travel schedule. Dude. Well, I'll tell you what, yeah. you're coming up uh, once I hit April. I think the second week of April I got like seven or eight weeks in a row. I'm not I come home for three days and the case stays packed and I just put it on another airplane and go the other way. <laughs> Man. Yeah, it gets busy wow. this time of year. But uh you know, it's fun. I wouldn't really have it any other way. But you know, I think I was bitching and moaning the other day coming back to Birmingham. Um, I love going places, flying helicopters, meeting new people, you know, hanging out and enjoying this thing for what it is. But uh the airline travel and TSA, oh boy, I am just about over them. <laughs> you know, anywhere I can drive. I'm going to drive to Boston. I don't care. I can bring everything I want. I don't have to get strip searched. I don't have to have flight delays and pay ridiculous fees and not bring stuff. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, they're making it hard to travel, that's for sure, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, now some of the ridiculous rules that they have. I mean, I don't want to go too into it. But now if you're over 70 years old or under 12 years old, you don't have to take your shoes off. I'm just like, okay, well, that's real security. And now we're talking about bringing knives on the plane. <laughs> but you got to inspect everything. If you're going to let knives on, I just don't get it. The whole thing. And you can't bring that bottle of water, but you can sure bring that knife. Right. Yeah. Exactly. No problem. <laughs> what was it that the 9-11 hijackers used? Box cutters, was it? Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, interesting. So, you know, they they splash bottles of water on us. That's for sure. You know. <laughs> let, them, let them do with their box cutters. Be all right. Really looking forward to to june like nick was saying the fun fly you guys we're going to have that that's june 14th and 16th up in deer park washington uh the three of us uh minus justin the slacker went out to the field a while back it's covered in snow but we saw the potential and we're really looking forward to to putting the event together and of course having tim come along that is just that's going to be amazing so if any of you guys want to get a chance to uh watch the man himself in action there it is, especially for those of you living up in the Northwest that didn't get a chance maybe to see him last year at Snohomish. Come on out and take a look, man. Well, we're really looking forward to it. Thanks for hanging out with us, man. We really appreciate you coming along. And like I said, we're looking forward to seeing you in June. Man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, be a good time. So, Dan, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little tired of Nick making fun of me carrying my charging stuff around in a cardboard box. I'm looking for something to, you know, kick it up a notch. You got any suggestions for me? Absolutely, dude. Head over to ProgressiveRC.com, man. They got 
all kinds of charging accessories there. They got cases, they've got chargers, they've got leads, anything you could possibly want. And best of all, dude, you can toss that cardboard box aside. Remember, guys, that's ProgressiveRC.com. They got what you need. All right, guys, that was Tim Jones. How cool is that? Yes. The guy is the yeah. man. That was great. And, dude, the blades. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he sold them. I don't. I mean, if that doesn't make yeah. you want to go buy a pair, I don't know what. You know what? Wait, wait, you're say. saying there's a product in that hobby that actually has like technical justification was, backing I, its design. I was just gonna say that. Isn't that how cool is that to to have somebody that's doing blades and actually give you reasons why they're better and and like not just say, well, they're just better. I. You know the coolest part? You can look at them. Go check out the website. You can look at it and see, okay, these did not come out of any other mold that any other blade did. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. It was a great interview. We're looking forward to hanging out with him in June. And uh, we encourage you guys, if you can make it, you ought to come do the same. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yes. And uh, thanks, Tim, for hanging out with us. We really do appreciate your time. All right, this week, guys, so this week, guys, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about some topics that listeners had suggested. We put up that forum post, uh, what would you like to hear on the, on the podcast? And again, if you haven't had a chance to check out a forum, we encourage you to do that. If there's something particular that you would like us to talk about, we, we monitor it. We'll take a look. And uh, occasionally we run across some topics that we decide are really worth talking about. So we actually have a, a few that we're going to talk about tonight. I don't know how to pronounce I'm I, I, I'm ho. <laughs> I-M-H-O. I'm a ho. <laughs> <laughs> Came out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah, this is going, man. Every show has that turning point. And this yep. is it. We just crossed it. We just crossed the line. Anyway, IMHO, however you want to pronounce that. He posted a few questions. He just kind of wants some clarification. We looked at him. We're like, yeah, this, these look like pretty good topics. So we're just going to introduce them, and we're going to talk about them and, and uh, see what, what becomes of it. So first off, he talks about batteries, and we kind of talked about this uh, not too long ago. And we, you know, we, we hear these, uh, uh, we talk about the C ratings and it seems to me every time a new generation of batteries comes out, it's, uh, just because the last pack said 50 C or 55 C, the next one has to say 65 or higher. Of course. That's just kind of the marketing scheme, right? Well, you wouldn't want to put out something smaller. <laughs> so let's talk about that first. Let's, uh, and then we're, it actually, this first question goes into a little bit. Uh, further depth, but let's stop right here at the C rating and let's get your guys' opinion on what does that mean? The technical talk, what what does the C rating mean? What does that, what does that stand for? The C rating is basically the, uh, the discharge rate that the battery can actually handle and it's, and it's rated in a uh, number of times the actual capacity of the of the pack itself. So a, a 10 C pack can discharge at a rate equal to 10 times its capacity. 
So if it's a 5,000 milliamp hour pack or a 5 amp hour pack, then it can discharge at 50 amps. So that's that's 10C. Um, basically, what dictates uh, the, the actual maximum discharge rate itself, there are a number of different things that do uh, the age of the battery, the chemistry of the battery cells, so on and so forth. How much um, you paid for it? How much you paid for it? Yep. Sorry, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. I had well, to throw that no, in there. How much you paid for it only affects what's printed on your batteries. No, uh, it's it affects uh, what's in your mind too. <laughs> yeah, it's 65 C because it has to be right. Oh, pulls way harder. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Continue with no, 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 awesome no. That's technical fine. Education. Sorry. Um. So yeah, that's the basic idea. It's affected by a number of different things, but as the battery manufacturers improve their processes, their chemistry, and are able to reduce the internal resistance of the cells more, then they can support higher charge and discharge rates. Uh, the reason being that when you have a high internal resistance and you try to blow a large amount of current through it. Um, that resistance causes internal heating, and these guys uh, start to get unstable when they get above a certain temperature. And so uh, that, that from a technical standpoint, that's what dictates the, the discharge and charge rates uh, sort of at a top level. But the, uh, the, I guess the condition of the battery and the chemistry is reflected in the internal resistance, correct? Yes. Okay, so that's all kind of, you know, into one category or group there. Yeah, it's a, you know, in the hobby, most people use IR, internal resistance, as sort of the figure of merit for determining how good that particular pack is uh, compared to other packs or compared to the same pack earlier or in its life. And that will that will vary as you as you beat on them, if you over discharge them, if you puff them, so on and so forth. It's not the whole picture, but it's good enough to get the job done for what we're looking for. Okay, so when we're looking at a pack, and let's say it's labeled at sixty five C, does that mean that 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 is that is like it's just kind of the peak discharge, or is that it's going to be able to stably discharge at sixty C for an extended amount of time? That's continuous discharge. Usually you'll see a pack that says, you know, um, 30C and 60C burst or 60C peak or something like that. Uh, They, you know, on the actual package, it will tell you what the continuous and what the peak discharge rates are. So are the ESCs that we're using, are they, can they, I mean, are they designed to, obviously they're handling them, but uh, I mean, are, are these C ratings getting a little out of hand with their labeling? Well, I mean, okay. So then that's where you, <laughs> that's where you get down to the part where <laughs> there are probably a lot of them out there that are labeled 60 and don't come anywhere near 60. You know, here, here's the deal guys. When it comes down to it, it's all about the heli. The Just because you've got a pack strapped to your heli that's capable of putting out 60C, whether that's true or not, uh, it's only going to put out what it's asked for. Yeah. So the load is what determines that. And when I say the load, we're talking about the motor. We're talking about the motor connected through the gear train to the head. And when you beat on it either intentionally or your crappy collective management comes into play, 
that affects how much power the ESC and battery have to put out. So if you're not beating it hard, you'll never get anywhere close to 60C. <laughs> so basically you're saying we have to beat so, it harder. Yeah. Please yeah. beat it very hard. Just to, just to clarify. Okay, so. Hard and rhythmically. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh man! Just took another turn, Jesse. This is Maybe topic we, one. Okay, you got so, a couple more. Whack that monkey! <laughs> Beat it! <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So, all right. So, regroup, regroup. Let's let's try to let, let's try to make this a little more simplistic. Let's say, obviously, that's okay. We had just had Tim Jones, so we'll use Tim Jones. Obviously, a guy that's flying like Tim Jones does, is going to require a lot more power in his heli uh, just because of the nature of what he's doing as opposed to, say, Dan, who is a sport flyer. Or anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, 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 anyone. Yeah. or pretty <laughs> much anyone that's okay. not Tim Jones. <laughs> so let's look at C ratings realistically. We're all, we're, all subject, we're all subject to it, bigger, better, more. We all want it, but do we need it? In other words... What's a realistic C rating to look for for your average pilot or, or even your, say, someone that's flying at Jesse's level? Well, so that's that's a really good question. And there are there are a couple of ways to look at it. I mean, there are a few ESCs out there. The castle springs to mind that provide you with data logging. Mm-hmm. So you can actually look at after a flight, you can go and look at what kind of currents you're you're hitting uh, to determine whether the C rating that you chose for your packs is appropriate. Um, if uh, if memory serves a 700 size heli, sort of the 10 to 12 pound range on 700 blades um, will sit at a continuous 30 to 50 ish amps in a hover. Okay, so that's the you know a 12s system, 30 to 50 amps. Um, Maybe, you know, a little lower, a little higher, depending on the actual heli itself. And then when you go and start smacking it around, that goes up. So it goes up in peaks, though. That's the thing. There are very few people that actually will sit with wide open throttle for an entire five minute flight. So with a with the 50 or a 5000 milliamp pack, we're looking or two of them, a 12 S, we're looking at 10 C for the hover. What, 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 I mean, where do we draw the line? I mean, what I'm getting at is how do we avoid the high C trap and maybe some, in some cases, the cost? I mean, because we're looking at an increased yeah, exactly. cost in, in packs because it says C. a higher number. 30 yeah, C. 30 C. 30 C. I'll that's call the, it. 30 C right there. But a true. Yeah, another there you go. kicker. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse knows where I'm going yeah. with this. It's got to be a true 30 C rating. I mean, we both fly those, you know, like the Gen Zace, the original ones that they came out with, the um, the 5,300 milliamp 30C packs that are a true 30C rating. You can rock those things on a 4525 Ultimate all yep. day long, and they do great. I mean, they do just great. But people think they need more, but guess what? You really don't. <laughs> and they last long too, don't they, Nick? Yes, they sure do. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, so I, I, actually, I would say that a good solid 30C would be I mean that that's the that's what I would shoot for personally. 
Okay, so we're we're talking about these these different and Nick, you just said it, true C rating. Is there a, a way that that a person can just easily figure that out, or is that some complicated process? How do you know for sure? Is there a way I can fi- I can find out myself, or am I am I just going to have to take somebody's word for it? Yeah, I mean that's that's how we know the Gen Ace ones. You know, a true thirty C pack is we're out there flying them, testing them ourselves. So basically, with most of the current you know modern chargers nowadays, they're going to be able to take the internal resistance of the pack, like Justin was referring to earlier. And then once you have that internal resistance reading, um, I don't remember the exact site. Do you, Nick? It's got a um, go ahead, keep going, and then I'll I'll read it off, and we'll put a link in the show notes for it. It's got a real odd name that's not easy to remember. Yeah, so so basically, there's a website that you can go to, and this guy has come up with a calculator. So basically, the inputs of this is you're going to put in the, the capacity of the cell, so the milliamps. And then the internal resistance of that indivi- of the individual cell of one of the cells in your packs, and then once you enter that, the calculator will do its thing and essentially spit you out a highest like maintainable amperage that that battery can output and a C rating for the battery. In my experience, I've found that to be a very very accurate tool. Yeah, the key there is the temperature, and and they state in big huge letters it's. Uh, by the way, it's www.jj604.com forward slash lipo tool. And yeah. it's a, it's basically a, a lipo objective performance calculation tool. And, and the key here, and, and he does go over this, yep. I mean, big, is it has to be at 72 degrees. There's internal resistance changes with the temperature of the battery. So the best thing to do is to get them actually warmer than this. And um, if, hey, some parts of the world, just stick them outside. Uh, For the rest (laughs) of us cold weather bastards, um, I'll actually warm them up, fly them, and then I'll put them on a heating pad, like a regular heating pad, and just let them settle at that 72 for about an hour. Um, And then go ahead and run the calculations. And, And the more... This is one of those where, like, the more effort you put in, the more you're going to, the more accurate you're going to get back out of yeah. it. Well, because yeah, they and even have like I know from Progressive RC, you can buy is it an ESR yep, meter? ESR meter. Which yeah. now you're getting, you know, now you're getting milliohms to the you know decimal places and stuff. Where most chargers, I think, kind of round it to whole numbers. Uh, yeah, so and once, that once is again, kind of the trick there. We'll we'll I'll leave with that caveat that. You know, the larger the capacity on the pack, the lower the internal resistance. So it gets really difficult. I mean, I cannot truthfully say that anything past 45 to 50 C, you're going to be able to really measure on like a 5,000 milliamp pack. Um, Yeah, and that adds a lot of error to the calculation, by the way. it really does. So if you want to yeah. do large packs, I highly recommend going to Progressive and getting an ESR meter yeah. because that'll give you the accuracy um, to do it. But it, it's kind of one of those like you you pop, you know, now uh, we've done it enough, you know, testing batteries for Gen Zace and stuff. It's, it's like you go fly them, you kind of get your gut feeling, you, you know, you get your temperature right, you pop up the charger you know, you hit measure the IR and you you look across all the cells and it's like, yeah, I thought this thing was right. 
or you know, eh, I had a weird feeling about this one. I don't, I don't like this chemistry, and you can see yeah. it right there. Yep. So it's kind of the, you know, it, it's definitely a a great bullshit meter. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, you know, going back to Dan asked, well, okay, what? How much do we really need? And immediately the answer was thirty C. Well, you know, I mean, that's a tricky. That's a tricky question to answer because I think what what uh, has been found by the people who use this tool, and by the way, it is really a great tool that Jesse and Nick are talking about. And this guy, I can never remember the guy's name, but he's built like a small community of people who go and measure their pack uh, internal resistances and then log in a database the yeah. C ratings of just tons of different battery brands and sizes and cell counts so it really you know it provides you with a lot of really good information and what you see is uh, once you get above sort of the 25 to 35 c mark the advertised c rating tends to stray further and further from the truth and and the gen zace uh the gen zace 30c packs are some of the only ones out there that truly meet the 30c rating i've actually had a couple myself that have come up at 32 or 35 yeah, and again you know mine. that's within the error if we're not using a, a a meter that's capable of measuring down to you know the micro ohm range but nevertheless 30c is the way to go because it's probably what most people have flown in terms of the highest c rating these 60 70 c packs you check them and they come in at i've seen 60 c packs come in at 25 or 30 c so you just yeah. don't know what to believe anymore i've flown 60 c packs that came in at that yeah yeah and all you end up with is a lot heavier pack and that's another thing to consider you know with the C rate, the getting the higher C rating, basically, you know, they're changing the chemistry in the pack and they're increasing the density of it. So you get weight. Yeah. In some cases, a lot more weight. So when yeah. you're picking your batteries, you know, really be conscious about that. Don't get so caught up in, well, I, I need a 65C because, man, on some of these helis, especially the smaller ones, I mean, you know, 500s, 450s even. They can make a drastic, I mean, it's a huge difference in the way that it flies. And if if you can't pull anything higher than 30 out of it, then you've actually just done yourself a disservice by doing that. You know, and on right. some of the larger packs, uh, you know, like um, in the 700 class electrics, we're talking half a pound between a 30 to yeah. a 60 C pack. That's huge in the way that it flies. Yeah. That's a noticeable amount of weight for nearly anyone at any skill level. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that's, I mean, like taking a set of, uh, swapping out your 690s for 710s. I mean, it is. It really changes yeah. the disc loading a lot. So don't get caught up in that at all. I mean, unless you really feel that you need it. So let me ask you, Justin, a theoretical question with a few assumptions. Let's assume that, let's assume we get a 60 c battery and it's actually comes in at 60 c now theoretically is that battery gonna is it is it the higher c rating does that mean it's gonna last longer is it gonna be uh i mean 
is that the is that what we're thinking? Is that why we're so concerned uh, as consumers about these bigger numbers? Does that mean it's going to last longer? Yeah, thank you for asking that because that's something that a lot of people don't think of. That's an awesome question. What we were talking about before is that the C rates are able to increase as the manufacturers uh, find a way to reduce the internal resistance. In other words, as I'm pushing more current through it, I'm, I'm heating the battery less. Okay, so I can increase the amount of current that I push through the battery. That's that's really the key. Do you need 60 C on a five cell pack? I mean, 300 amps continuous. Give me a break. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, no, you don't need that. You may need it in spikes if you're really hardcore, but you don't you don't need that. What you do need, however, is the general rule of thumb that as the C rating increases, the life of the packs increase. Um, what happens with these packs without getting into too much detail is when we run them, they get warm. We know that. And the amount of uh, warm that they get is determined by how much current you're pushing, how hard are you beating them and how much internal resistance they have as they warm that over time. Those cycles, those thermal cycles will affect the batteries quality, uh, the chemistry and, and that will eventually lead to a degraded performance. And so, you know, what, what do you guys get, Nick and Jesse, on some of the Gen Zase 30 Cs before you start feeling like, okay, we could use a, a, a better pack here or a new pack? Uh, I don't know, oh, man. Well, I had I, mine mechanically fail before the chemistry failed. <laughs> and, well, then I'm, a, and then wow, I still okay. have 250 cycles on my other one, and I still don't feel like I And you it. still don't feel a difference. And those were the 30C packs, right? And Jesse? I actually have, yeah. yes, and I actually have new packs. So, you know, you go from, you know, you go to the old packs, 250 cycles, and you go straight over to some new packs, and when you don't tell a difference, that's when you know you have a good set. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's amazing. That's, that's on the high end. I would say that I can, you know, I have a set of, I have a set of 60 C packs. Um, I'm not going to say they're, you know, dead on at 60, but they're definitely, they put out a lot more than a, than a true 30 C pack. How about that? Yep. Um, and I can, I've, you know, I've got a set of 30 C's that have two, oh, I don't know, two and change somewhere around there on them. And I can tell, I can tell a bit of a difference, but, you know, they're also half a pound heavier. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, okay, yeah, they have a little bit more power, but the heli sure does fly a lot different. I mean, with a good quality pack, um, you you should be able to get into the 175 to creeping up on 200 yep. before you... I, I would say that's fair, you know, to where you start to really notice it. But again... It's all on the quality of the pack. I've had, uh, just to name a few, I've had some of the regular Turnages, the Nanotechs, uh, some Volt yeah. packs where 50, mm. 60 cycles, you could actually notice. Right. And, and you'll what you end up basically doing is starting to peel back your timer, you know, 30 seconds at a time because now all of a sudden, well, wait a minute, I was just, that's the same five-minute flight I did 20 flights ago or whatever. Why am, why, you know, why is the voltage lower at the end of the flight now? Well, it's because the packs are, or you go up there and you fly them, you pull a hard maneuver and you hear a bog and you're like, whoa, man, I, oh, geez, no, I must have over-discharged this pack. 
And then you go check it. You check the static voltage of it just sitting there, and it's perfectly fine. And then you're going, okay, all right, now I'm getting it. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're dying. So let's talk a little bit. I want to go without, because this is a whole, this could probably be a whole other show. But let's, since, since you mentioned, uh, Nick, the quality of the pack, I mean, what, what determines a quality pack? Go ahead, Justin. You're on roll, dude. <laughs> no, this is this is where his. I mean, I I could tell you in a dumb version, make and then up. he can give you the real version. <laughs> yeah. I could make it sound good. Yeah, absolutely. I'll put a little pizzazz on it. Probably throw a couple cuss words in there, man. It'll be great. But then you could get the truth out of this guy. Yeah. Well, I I mean, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, Dan. The, what what I think determines a quality pack is the internal resistance of the cells the consistency of the cells, right? Um, each of the cells are made separately. They're made in lots. Um, but if you have inconsistency in the way that they're manufactured, differences in the chemistry, differences in the packaging, then you can get that uh, that dreaded feeling that I know we've all had at least once where you pull a pack, a brand new shiny pack out of the, the, the mail package you uh you stick a meter on it and it's a six cell with only five cells reading yeah yeah uh or your balance is so far off it's ridiculous now that i mean that's not the balance thing is not necessarily a, a complete indication of it being poor quality because i've had a number of really good long lasting packs that the first couple of flights they don't balance quite as well but once you sort of break them in and get them get them running uh, they all come back together, dude. Jen's Ace ones are actually. Uh, I'll uh, I'll bring this up so that people don't flip out. They're notorious for taking a long time to balance. Yeah, like the first couple yeah. cycles, and then the big thing with when you pull a pack out of the box, you know, always put a cell checker on it before you solder anything on. <clears throat> Can't say I've never done that before. Because <laughs> the second you solder on it, apparently they don't want it back. <laughs> I've been um, there myself. <laughs> but yeah, check and make sure the cell voltages are good. And if you can, I mean, I actually now, because I've been bit on this a couple times, I'll slide the little shrink tubing off of the ends and I'll put some alligator clips on it and... uh and I'll balance charge it at 1C before I even do anything to it and just see how it goes. And if it, I mean, if, you know, it might take rather than your 1C charge taking an hour, it might take an hour and a half. But as yeah. long as the voltages end up okay within reason, you know, then go for it. But be prepared that packs absolutely do take time to break in. I mean, they really, really do. I've had, God, man, the last set of packs that I was testing, uh, some prototype packs, took 20 cycles. Yeah, I was just going to say. Oh, wow. Mine yeah. took 17. Usually yeah. I see it, it's it's like in a 5 to 10 yeah, cycle range. Yeah, I agree. And this one threw me for a loop because I was ready to actually, I gave them less credit than they deserved at the like the 12 cycle mark. And I, I actually had to email uh, this company back. Because I kept flying them and was like, uh, uh, God, I, okay, this is a little weird, but they kind of felt <laughs> better than yesterday. So I, you know, put another 10 cycles on them and remeasured and they were, they ended up being, uh, 
13 C higher than what I had rated him at, at the 12 cycle mark. Oh, wow. So yeah, yep. that, that rate there, that's pretty telling. Yeah. That, that's a pretty good, uh, uh, that's a compelling reason to do break in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You know, the other thing, Dan, that I wanted to hit on back to your question on do we if we could get a theoretically get a 60 C pack, is that better? And we talked about uh, internal resistance and the effects on lifetime, so on and so forth. The other thing that I neglected to mention is its effects on your power system. You know, the the like we talked about before, the uh, load that you put on the heli determines how much power is being drawn out of the ESC and, and the battery, how much power the battery has to supply to the ESC. And when you've got lower C ratings, higher internal resistance, as you push more current out of that battery, it heats up. And as it heats up, its resistance increases. And as its resistance increases, its voltage droops. And that affects uh, the ability of the ESC to perform well. If the listeners have listened to the digging in episode two, Nick and Dude, I go over that <laughs> in exquisite three. detail. <laughs> three. Number three. 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 Sorry. Yes. Wow. Yeah, three. Number three. Thank you. Number three. It affects your the, the ripple on the input. And for those of you who've got Castle, you, you've seen ripple uh, voltage as a measure. The more ripple you put into your ESC, the harder time it's going to have controlling, uh, the hotter it's going to get. And so that's another reason why you want to maximize the C rating, the true C rating, not the thing printed on the label. And Justin brings up a great point. For those of you who haven't had a chance to listen to number three, digging in number three, if you want to get an absolute working knowledge of this whole process, that is a fantastic episode to listen to because it's really explained very thoroughly in a way that just is comprehensible. I mean, it just completely makes sense. So there's definitely something everyone can learn in that episode. It's a, it's a good one. It's a dang good one. Just give us the bottom line guys. Do we pay attention to the C rating? I mean, is that something we should do? It, it, it just entices more money out of our pockets. I I say pay attention more to the reputation of the brand and then, uh, yeah, buy what you can afford. And don't fall into the loophole of high C rating just because it says it. Don't think that you need it. That's the key. I mean, if, if you can afford it and, uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. If you can afford it and you want the best, then, then go for it. I mean, you're definitely not going to hurt anything. That's for sure. I mean, except your pocket, but if it's not a big deal, then go for it. Absolutely. You know, but don't feel like you're shortchanging yourself, you know, if you can't get those 65 C packs. Don't don't feel like it's going to hold you back or anything because you know, I mean, yeah, good solid set of 30 C packs, a couple hundred cycles out of them. That that's stick time. Yep. And that'll get you a lot more oh, a lot yeah. more. And and you know, educate yourselves. The the um the link that Nick and Jesse talked about and that we'll put in the show notes, that's an awesome tool. You, you know, what what you should be getting out of this discussion if you um, haven't already gone down the path of checking your own packs is that you may not know what you've actually been flying. You don't you may not know what a 30 C 
pack feels like or a 20C or a 40C. So, you know, do some math on your pack, see what you've been flying, and then go from there. You might be surprised. Or you could fly nitro. Oh, had to get it in. Had to get it in there. Had to get it in there. (laughs) You're going to edit that out, right? 30 must be the magic number. Must be 30. (laughs) Must be 30. Because we love that 30% cool. (laughs) That's where we go, yeah. 30 is the magic number. All right, so moving along to charging setups. And I think this is Nick's uh, Nick's fun topic because he he likes to mess with charging systems and getting tweaking around with the power supplies and and making it happen. Yeah, me and Jesse are dorks. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so we have a you know typically people are used to twelve volt and twenty four volt systems. I mean that's uh, that's generally uh, you know unless you're hardcore, you know you might have got jumped up to a thirty volt. For the most part, all of us have do- dealt with 12 volts. And when you first get into the hobby, you know, it's what it's generally, in, unless you've educated yourself or you have a friend that told you otherwise, that's generally where you start with. And we all understand that that, that generally leads to longer charging times. You can't do stuff like parallel charge, uh, your six packs all at once. So tell us, um, whoever, whoever wants to answer this, obviously, if you're going to be flying big electrics, you just want to stay away from the 12 volts. Yeah. Yeah, because... Yeah, pretty much. Unless you got a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> well, or, a, or a lot of chargers. <laughs> or a lot of yeah, chargers. or a lot of chargers. And it's, you know, it, it's the amount of... It's all relative to wattage. So, you know, wattage is volts times amps. You're going to get it one way or the other. If you give it, you know, if you supply the charger with uh, less voltage then you're going to get less amperage out of the charger. A lot of the chargers these days can handle um, these these large voltage setups. And if you do, I mean, if you only have a 12-volt supply, it will work with a good charger. But as Nick just said, it's it's going to limit uh, the amps that it's going to be able to output. Well, yeah, because it's even even with the same charger. I mean, my, right now I'm running the iChargers. So at 24 volts, you get to use the full potential of the charger, which is 30 amps. But right. at 12 volts, you only get, I think, 500 watts or it's like 20 amps or something like that. So, I mean, it's the same exact charger, but yet just doubling that voltage, you're going to get more amperage out of the charger. Yeah. So let's break it down a little bit because we just talked about the discharge right now. We're going to talk about the, the charging rate and... uh you know, there's recommended charging rates. You'll you get them with the batteries that you buy. Some people choose to ignore those. So other people like to charge at one C. Others like to go up to a higher C. Like I know Nick charges at a fairly good clip, mm-hmm. especially when he's at the field. Um, you got time to wait. Yeah, <laughs> time for this. <laughs> so let's break that down. What is what does a one C charge rate mean? Go ahead, Justin. Tell us tell us about that. It's it's the same it's the same number as we're using to discuss discharge rate. So one times the capacity, a five thousand milliamp hour pack or a five amp hour pack at one C gets charged at five amps. And this is where this is where the the voltage is really gonna come into play. You know, if you if you do have like Jesse, I have Nick has a couple the eye chargers, if you're not at twenty four volts you can see where you're limited. You've limited yourself already mm-hmm. because you're down to a, a a small amount of amps as opposed to 
you know, if you're going to charge, so if you're charging two batteries and you're at one C, there's 10 amps right there. Well, and it's a and, double, it's a double edged sword because a lot of people like, let's take all the decimal points out and let's just, let's just go real generic, right? So if we have 12 volts going in, okay, we're going to charge a, a 22 volt battery. So let's just go real lame and, and say, uh, we're trying to charge a battery that's double the voltage, right? So if I'm going to put five amps into it, and we're you know we're not going to consider charger inefficiencies and and all that sort of a deal, but if I'm going to put five amps into that pack, because it's almost double of the input voltage that I'm putting into the charger, I'm going to be pulling ten amps out of my input source. And that's the key that limits the power output as a function of voltage. Yeah, um, yeah. because the charger can only take so much input amperage. The the well, amount of current that you push through these chargers are limited by the size of the wires, the rating of the yeah. components inside the charger. And so, as you guys already pointed out, when you're running at lower voltages for the same power output, that means I need to have higher current. They they limit the, the 12 and 20 volt or 24 volt setups um, are basically the, the maximum power output is limited by the maximum current capability of the of the circuitry. Yep. yep. And 20, you know, if it's li- let's say it's limited at 20 amps just for hypothetical purposes, 20 amps at 12 volts is a lot less than 20 amps at 24 volts. Half, actually. Half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. Quick so, math. <laughs> yeah. Quick math. So uh, that's the big thing. And then, you know, also what what sort of stress are you putting on your, you know, whatever you're powering this charger with, which when we're starting is, uh, let's face it, I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I saw some dude out there with his hood propped up charging off his car battery, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they're thinking, oh, I'm only pulling, you know, 10 amps. I'm only pulling 10 amps. Well, if you're charging a 6S pack, guess what? You're not pulling 10 amps. You're pulling 20 amps off of your car battery. Car batteries do not last very long. That's (laughs) not the way that they're designed to work, you know, for a lead-acid battery. So um, that's why getting that input voltage up, you know, ideally, and that's why 24 is so awesome, we're charging, you know, voltage-wise, we're almost charging straight across. Yeah. Uh, so that everything runs a lot more efficient. What about uh, bumping it up even higher? I know Nick, you've done that with your charging setup. Yeah, I did it, and it's. Uh, <laughs> you want to know why? Because you could. <laughs> uh, because I was lazy. Yeah. Yeah, I had originally when I built that, which was man, quite a while. This has been a just a rock solid setup for me. Uh, I did the whole feather merchant. You remember those? The power supplies? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right when running. this whole ser- server thing came out. I mean, server power supplies, I don't care what anyone says. I mean, hey, if you got the coin to drop, dude, call up Progressive, get like a Meanwhile power supply. They're awesome. For us poor folk <laughs> who don't mind doing a little bit of wiring on yeah, their own. We make our own. We make our own, and server power supplies are where it's. At. I mean, me and Jesse, we pick them up oh, off of yeah. eBay. Like, so they're twelve volt, mm-hmm. uh, fifty ballpark, just fifty amps yes. for 
25 bucks 20, to your door. Or yeah, 20 bucks. <laughs> I think I got both mine for $40. So that's a... Yeah, to your door. Like 1,800 I mean, watt setup. <laughs> it's for $40, ridiculous. You know, the power and, supply. And let me give you guys a little bit of a, a, a... I guess, I don't know if this is a tip or a hint, but I've noticed that on eBay especially, those Hewlett, Hewlett Packard power supplies, are those the ones you're using, Nick? Yeah, yeah, those are the ones that I have. Right. I've noticed yeah. that there's there's like a rotation that these companies are using where they just swap these out just for their own purposes, uh, you know, whatever. And there seems to be a, a cycle. In other words, I bought two of them for myself and I paid. They were rather expensive. Uh, well, in the scheme of things, they were 30 bucks each. However, shortly thereafter, I must have caught the cycle where they just there was a bunch more put on the market. I got I got Ed's. I got two of them shipped for twenty four dollars. Yeah, they wow. what they do is on these server farms they rotate them by time. Right. Yep. So they'll pull them once a year, and I mean these things are like tanks. All the ones that we're buying off eBay, you know, they're all used. We're not buying a brand new right. server, so that's why we're saying, you know, they probably used them for a year and then swapped them out. Yeah, and so my setup, the the original Feather Merchant ones, uh, the their largest ones were twelve volt, and they were forty seven amps yeah. each. And so what I did was I just took them, you know, and, and he, at, at that time I was feeling lazy, and I had never done this before. So he set them all up for me, set them all up twenty four volt, did all the floating ground deal. You know, blah, blah, blah. I basically took them out of the box and plugged them in and la-di-da. Well, what I found out and didn't really think ahead was that two eye chargers, two of the 306s, right, Jesse? Yeah. So is that what I got? Yeah, 306s. Two of those will pull more than those two power supplies could give. And so it was like, well, crap. All right. What I can do is I can sell these to someone, you know, pass them along to someone that needs them and then go buy two of them, uh, you know, that are bigger or, hmm, let's see. Okay. So the iCharger says that it'll take 36 volts. Which we didn't realize for like a year. (laughs) Yeah. Which we didn't notice. (laughs) And it says it right on the charger, but you know, that's besides. I was like, (laughs) well, screw it. Why not? I'll be the guinea pig and try it. So I just bought another one. For like 18, and that was the only reason I went to it because I was too lazy to go buy two new ones. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what it, I did have to do, um, you know, like I think Jesse's, do yours have the potentiometer built into them? Yeah, mine do. Yeah, okay. So his style has a little potentiometer built in that you can actually adjust the output voltage, do kind of like five. You can go in between like maybe 12 and a half to 13.3. Yeah. Um, Mine did not, so it was a huge pain uh, in the ass <laughs> because I had to go solder in on the pins in the back, go down to Radio Shack, and it ended up being a huge hassle. But long story short, you have to get it down under 36 or yeah, else that, it'll send an overvoltage. That is actually the max. Like, And, and, and just, for, just to kind of clear that up, for those of you who maybe aren't familiar, these power supplies, although they're rated, at 12 volts, they actually put out slightly more. Yes. So you yeah. have to, if you're going to max it out like Nick did, for those of us who are, are not going to the 36 volts, 
and doing 24, it's not a, it's not an issue because it actually is closer to 26-ish volts or somewhere in that range. But you, it just depends. Yeah. It completely depends it, yeah, on the exactly, power supply exactly. and it, some of how they have them. And it was only unloaded. So, like, it was funny. If you, if you plugged it in and put a load on it really fast, the voltage would drop down enough to where it wouldn't set off the over-voltage alarm. But if it kind of sat there and it would creep back up to, you know, 36.6 or whatever, it all of a sudden start beeping. I want to give you guys a website, and I get this wrong every time, and, and maybe Nick or Jesse or maybe even Justin, you guys know. It's T-Gen Guy, right? Is that yep. T-Gen Guy? T, it's T-I-N-Gen. J-I-N, yep. T-I-N-J-I-N-Guy.com. He has a phenomenal guide that literally takes you through this process step-by-step with those Hewlett-Packard power supplies. He shows you how to do the the floating ground. He shows you which pins you need to to, uh, connect together in the back. He shows you how to solder it. Because let me tell you something. As you guys know, electricity is like religion in my mind. It's meant to be feared, right? (laughs) And so, look, I built them. And if, if Dan can can read over this guide and successfully complete this, let me tell you guys a little, here's a funny, here's a little funny side story to that. When I did build my first one, I actually took it out in way into the driveway <laughs> with like a 75 foot uh, extension cord <laughs> because I was afraid it was going to blow up when I plugged it in. No, I literally put it out in the middle of the driveway and plugged it in from 75 feet away. And you know, I've, that's good though, man. You do have to, a lot of people, to a lot of people, electricity is black magic. It's not that difficult, but you gotta, you gotta educate yourself and, and take a step back and go slow. I bring that up because I, I, I want to encourage you guys, if this is something you want to do, don't let that dissuade you from trying this because really with that guide, it is super, super easy. I mean, you, you do have to be a little... You don't have to be super proficient, but you should be able to solder decently because it does require a fair amount of soldering. And I would also suggest that you do pick up a good soldering iron because you're not going to get this job done with one of those little, you know, 40 watt radio shack jobbers, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. you've got to do, you've got to heat up from some pretty serious metal Oh yeah, and some pretty big gauge yeah. wire. And, and you know, Hey, if, if it's, if that's not for you, then um, there's lots of guys. Um, I think, I think actually like Blackburners doing some, Feather Merchants doing some. Cruise the forums, absolutely. You know, yeah, uh, on Run Rider, on Heli Freak, uh, RC Groups is a really big one. Uh, there's some exceptional, actually, where I learned all of the modifying techniques for the power supplies came off some of the guys on RC Groups, and, and you know they're selling these setups with banana jacks already on the back of them where you can just plug and play. And it's a great opportunity to get into a, a really high-powered charging setup and, and you know, help take a little bit of the sting off. Right. I personally could never, ever see spending more than 60 bucks on my power supplies. Right. And that better run anything that I want. I mean, you got that, you got that amazing case, dude, that whole charging case. And you did, you only spent barely over a hundred dollars after it's all said and done. I mean, that's everything. Well, yeah. The, I, I think chargers. I, no, well, not well, the chargers, uh, just the but case the power itself. supplies in the case, I think I had, 
um, for uh, it's probably one one thirty, I think. Nice, you know all of yeah. that, yeah. dude. I can one up that power supplies box in a cardboard box. In a yeah. cardboard box. <laughs> yeah. See, <laughs> free ghetto. Uh, and free and, and Nick does bring up a good point. Um, you know, of course, Progressive RC they make some fantastic charging cases. Uh, Brian King. As Nick mentioned, you can see him on HeliFreak. He also has a, a little post on our forum as well. There's a lot of guys out there that can do this for you and at a really reasonable price. So yep. you should have a pretty pretty reliable, beefy charging system. You know, I, I want to bring that up real quick, and then I'll, I'll let you go go to it. But that is one thing, like in this hobby, that I can... You know, I'll tell you, like, heli sizes. You know, don't go all the way to the top. You know, work your way up or whatever. When it comes to this charging case thing, I've been there and done that myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just I have it. had a shload of charging cases. Ghetto ones where I tried to save every last little dime. <laughs> and please, don't do what I did. Right. <laughs> just... Do it right the first time. Even if you don't, I mean, seriously, even if you're going to put an $80, one $80 charger in it, or, that's okay. Right. Just build the case, get a couple good power supplies, either buy the case or work on building one and do it one time. They they're, they are a little bit time consuming to build. Worth it though. Y- y- at worth every single penny of it in the long run absolutely absolutely just like your radio yeah don't don't just don't mess around with this yep sounds good so you mentioned nick uh hooking it up to your car battery we all know uh, that's not a good idea Uh, Mm -hmm. we see it all the time fire fire (laughs) you nothing makes for a bad day like having to call mom (laughs) that you burned her minivan to the ground. You know, or, or you're at the field by yourself, and the next thing you know, you've got no juice to start your battery, start your, your vehicle up. Oh, yeah, that sucks. Hey, I've got one more plug here. Yeah? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I, I missed this one in the news, but um, because I was involved in this, and now that I see it's actually acceptable and okay to talk about, um, I wanted to make sure I mention it. Castle is just uh, is now releasing and unveiling the Phoenix Edge series of ESCs. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be on the prototyping team for this. And these things are awesome. Basically, what they've done is, you know, you normally, like on your high voltage versions, you've got your servo wire that comes out of the front, you know, that goes up for your throttle. Well, what they've done is they've added an extra wire onto that. And it... it has numerous different functions. It can be like an ESC arming lock and they have a lockout key um, for like big planks and stuff for extra safety. Um, or in the case of us heli guys, and especially with, uh, with the Skookum, it is a, they have a built-in phase sensor in the ESC. Very nice. Yeah. They're and it useful. works freaking awesome. I mean, so cool. No more soldering on, you know, the Hyperion or the Hobby Wing face sensors. Um, I, I tested the uh, Edge 100, the 6S version, 
um, on the Fusion, and it just it worked flawlessly. I had no issues with it. Uh, we went through some firmware upgrades just to make it that much better, but um, they're solid units. And here's my favorite part, and this is where I was just so shocked right now that I, I really wanted to say something. They are, this series will more than likely take over the other one. And if it doesn't, the cool part is this is the same cost. They're not more expensive. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. So now this Phoenix Edge, the HV160 is the exact same price as uh, the Ice 2 160. Nice. So yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I was just it's excited. It's always it's always cool to be involved with a product that turns out to be you know really really good and gives you no headache. So I just wanted to let everyone know that I had uh, great luck with it, and I will be um, more than likely I will probably actually be running these on all of my helis just for sheer. I love the logging of it, and then on top of that, the simplicity and yeah, so. Check them out for sure. Awesome. All righty, guys. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. I just want to remind you to check out our webpage if you guys want to take a look at some reviews that the guys have done. Uh, you can always go take a look at those there. Also, to our forum. Uh, it's a great way to keep in touch with other listeners and to ask us questions directly. And also to our Facebook page, which is slowly but steadily increasing. And uh, we're getting closer and closer to that 2,000 like mark. And uh, look look forward to something with that. We don't know quite yet what it's going to be, but we'll figure something out. Also, too, if you have any events that you would like to put in our calendar, be sure to send those to Dieter at rchillynation.com. You can also post those right on our form right there in the event section. And uh, also, too, be sure to sign up for the newsletter. And vendors, um, make sure if you click on the reviews tab at the top of our webpage, um, in the right-hand corner in that right column, we have uh, uh, basically like a submittal form. Uh, if you are interested in us doing a, uh, an official review on your product or you know of someone, go ahead and send them that link. And uh, it's kind of the best way to get, a, the, to get that process started. All right, Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh, you would most certainly just shoot me an email at nick at rchelynation.com or you can throw me a PM on the forum or put a post up. And Justin, if I wanted to get in touch with you? You could get me at justin at rchelynation.com or catch me in our chat box or on our forums. And Jesse, if I wanted to get in touch with you? Uh, the best way would be to shoot me an email at jesse at rchelynation.com or shoot me a PM on a forum. And I am Dan. You can reach me at dan at rchelynation.com. You can also reach me at Dan K. Reed on our forum. Alrighty, guys. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We will talk to you next Monday. Smack that dirty monkey. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, send us an email using the Contact Us link on the homepage. If you'd like to make a donation, there's a Donate Now button on our homepage as well.